Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. John 6, 1, and this is the feeding of the 5,000, okay? In my opinion, one of the coolest things that's ever happened on this planet. The feeding of the 5,000, John 6, 1. It says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, what's cool about this story is that it's in all four Gospels, okay? So the Gospels are written from different perspectives of ultimately different disciples that were there. So it'd be like if you and I both witnessed something, and we both wrote down what we saw from our angle. And this one's in all four Gospels, and what you see in the other three is leading up to this point where Jesus says, where shall we get them bread? The disciples actually come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, they're really hungry. These people have been with us all day, and they're tired. We need to send them to go get food. We need to send them home. And Jesus' response to the disciples are, you feed them. So they're going, we need to send them home to go get food. And God goes, no, you feed them. And then that's where we see Jesus go, so Philip, where shall we buy them bread? Now, he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to just have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. That's not including women or children. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did it with the fish too. And when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. What an incredible story. We're going to dive into it today as we talk about who we are as a house. This is we, who we are. We are contributors, not consumers. We are contributors, not consumers. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we only have the power and strength to contribute because of your grace and mercy and the power of the Holy Spirit that goes with us. And so, Lord, we ask you this week, today, Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, help us become more like contributors than consumers. Lord, help us contribute with your power, Lord, with your spirit flowing through us, Lord. And we pray, God, if there's anybody in this place who feels far from you, they feel feel lost or they feel too far gone, Lord, I pray that they would remember your goodness and your mercy today. They'd fall back in love with their Savior, Jesus. Lord, and we pray if there's anybody in here, including me, who we, we are stuck consuming in life, Lord, I pray that you would convict us. We don't want our way, Holy Spirit. We want your way. So convict us, Lord. We want to live the life you have for us and help us learn to be contributors more than consumers today. We're coming to you not underneath a core value, Lord, but we're coming to you underneath your word. And we ask that you speak to us. We love you so much. And in Jesus' mighty name, the 9 a.m. said, amen. 
Amen. Come on, you guys can be seated. I've always wondered, like, how long people would stand if I didn't say that before, you know, you just did it. So maybe next service we'll find out, you know. Contributors, not consumers. Man, you have so much to offer. Like, you got so much good in you. You got so much to give. And I'm not even saying that as somebody who I'm like, hey, you have so much to give, so can you give it? I'm just simply reflecting on how awesome you are. Like, I think we need to take a moment and, and receive that a little bit, that you're awesome. Just think about it. And you have so much good in you. I know you've got your laundry list of things that you're working on, and I do too. But man, you're doing so much better than you think you are. So much good in you. For you're a child of God. You were created by the creator. Your personality is awesome. You have a smile that's contagious. You ever notice when you laugh, other people laugh with you? It's because you're awesome. Look at your neighbor and say, you're awesome. Come on, you're awesome. You got so much to give. You know, I remember my first date with Jordan, my first real date, okay? So we're in Lincoln, and we'd been talking for a little bit, but this was like, we'd hung out in the context of friends, but this was our first like one-on-one -on -one in a public place, and we went to Starbucks in downtown Lincoln. It was the middle of winter, and I remember as we're walking in, I walked by this homeless guy, okay? Now, he was a regular in Lincoln, like if you lived downtown, like where we lived, you'd, you'd seen him often. He, he slept on the benches. He had um, like his luggage that he kind of pulled with him everywhere, and I, I came to find out later on that this was more of like the lifestyle that he chose to live than him being a victim. Like, but nevertheless, we walk in, he's like kind of coming in and coming out because it's cold outside, so he'd come in and warm up a little bit, and he'd go back outside, and I remember walking by him, and as I'm walking by, just thinking like, oh, that's such a bummer. You know, it's like so sad. I bet he's cold. In the same way we see Jesus look at the disciples and say, you feed them, I felt like God told me, you take care of them. Now, this is the part normally where I begin to argue with God. I begin to reason because I'm a broke college kid. I don't have any money, you know, and, and this is normally where I'd argue, but I just submitted right away, and it's not just because I'm such an awesome man of God, which I am, you know, but uh, deep down, like if you peel back some layers, like I really knew this was a great opportunity to impress Jordan, you know, like, uh, hey, I'm not saying it's right, okay? I'm just telling you what happened, okay? This is what happened. Deep down, I was like, yo, she really gonna like this. And so I remember we ordered our coffee, and we went and sat down. We're waiting for it, and I, like, looked at her with, like, this sultry spiritual voice, and I was like, the Lord has spoken, and I must go take care of his people. And I turned around, and I went to go order, and I knew she was watching, so I really strutted that thing out, you know, like, gangster walked it. I went and ordered the same drink that I got because it's what men of God drink in the winter. It's a venti gingerbread latte with whip, okay? So I go and order one of those, and I've got my two coffees, and I go and walk up to him. I go, hey, man, uh, I just, I felt like God told me to help you warm up a little bit. And so here's a gingerbread latte. This is what I drink. And, uh, man, I, I hope it blesses you. And before I can even really finish, he just begins kind of going off on me. Like, he's, like, yelling at me. And he tells me, I'm not a victim. I'm not a charity case. This is the way I choose to live. I'm a nomad. I, I don't need a place to stay. I don't need anybody's charity. And he's, like, yelling at me. So my face is bright red. The whole store is looking at me like, what did he do to this man? And I'm like, no, I'm the good guy. I'm the guy. I bought the coffee. I'm the good guy. And I remember, like, walk shaming it back to Jordan with two coffees in my hand. And, like, sitting down, he's still yelling. And I remember thinking in that moment, I will never use God to impress a woman again. Lord, I repent. Please get this man to shut up because he's still yelling at me. The whole store is looking at me. It was crazy, okay? But here's the point. Here's the concept. 
is at the end of the day, God told me to take care of him. And I didn't have enough money to give him an apartment. Like I wasn't in that kind of place. Like I didn't even have a coat on that I could give him. But I did have $5. Like I didn't have anything seemingly significant in the context of his life that could actually change the course of what's going on. But I did have something and I remember learning this at an early age. Um, I remember my dad, my brother, and I, we were at um, the Hy-Vee uh, in Oakview, if you remember that one. It was the best one. It was right next to Toys R Us. You know, it was awesome. And I couldn't have been more than eight years old. And I, my dad's here. I wonder if, if he remembers this. And, uh, and we're walking out at the same time this old lady's walking out with her groceries. And I remember watching my dad go to her, with, uh, go to her car with her and begin to load her groceries into the car. And he came back and told me and my brother, hey, never let an old lady load her own groceries. And the concept was, look, we couldn't buy her groceries. She'd already bought them. And I don't know, maybe we weren't even in a place financially to be able to buy them if we wanted to. But we could load them. Right? Like we didn't have everything that we felt she might need. Might need. We might not have even had enough for ourselves necessarily. But we could load the groceries if we couldn't buy them. And when we talk about contributors versus consumers, we can't even have the conversation if we all don't have the revelation, the admission, the confession over our lives. And in the midst of every season we're in, the lowest of lows or the highest of highs, whether you feel like you have enough for even you or not, no matter how small it may seem, we all have something to give. Like you might not be able to buy the groceries, but you can load them. You might not have a coat for the guy, but you got five bucks. You might not even have five bucks, but you have a prayer. You could compliment him. You could encourage him. And I think contributors and consumers, what they have in common is that I think at some point we'd all say, yeah, there's areas in my life where I wish I had a little bit more. Or maybe even I feel like I'm lacking. But the difference between a contributor and a consumer is a contributor knows in all seasons I still have something that I can offer. And this is a biblical principle like, we see this with so many biblical figures in the Bible. Like, let's just, let's just start with the disciples, okay? So we have Andrew, John, James, and Peter. And they're fishermen, okay? They're teenagers. They don't have a lot of money. And here comes Jesus, the Savior of the world, and he asks them to follow him. Now, how seemingly small and insignificant would fishermen look on your resume when the Savior of the world wants you to come and partner with him? Like, this is the greatest rescue mission of all time for Jesus to come and save God's people. And he comes to you and you go, well, I don't have any ministry experience. Um, I, I don't even really have any money. I'm just a teenager, but I'm a fisherman. Like, it seems so small and insignificant, but God said, if you give it to me, I can use it. Right? Like, let, let's just look at Matthew, okay? Matthew's a tax collector. He's a nerd, okay? He likes counting. Plus, like, contextually speaking, we know he's probably skimming some off the top. So he's crooked. But God said, if you give it to me, I can use it. Right? Like, let's look at Moses. Thousands of years before, Moses has a stuttering problem. He tries to talk his way out of the call of God in his life with God. He, then, he actually murders someone even before that. But he has a heart for God's people. And God says, if you give it to me, I can use it. Right? Let's just look at King David. King David wasn't ready for battle when he went to Goliath. He had no military training. He wasn't ready for that kind of place in his life. He was just a small shepherd boy who was faithful on the backside of the mountain. But God said, if you give it to me, I can use it. Not to talk about Paul or talk about any of these other people. 
There's so many characters where we go. God is saying it might seem small and insignificant to you, but if you understand that you have something to give and you give it to me, I can use it. It reminds me of a small boy with five barley loaves and two fish. I mean, how insignificant was that? Like, let's, let's get the brevity of the moment. So they're out in the morning. He gets sent with his, his little Lunchable from his mom, his five loaves, two fish. This isn't like a Wonder Bread loaf, okay? These are smaller loaves, okay? This is enough for a day. And he sets out with his stuff, but all of a sudden he sees a crowd. Because there's a crowd forming where Jesus is. And this crowd begins to grow and grow because they're seeing the mercy of God and the power of God and the hope of Jesus. And they're see- they get caught up in the presence, and they're going, you know what? I'm not leaving this place. And so they begin to follow all day. They're missing meals. They're missing work. Their nephew's birthday party. None of it matters. They're going, I'm not leaving this place because they, get, they got caught up in the presence of God. They saw the mercy and the character of Jesus. And they said, I'm not going anywhere. So much so that the disciples begin to overhear. People going, ah, man, I'm just, I'm so hungry, but I don't want to leave I don't, I don't know what to do. Or I've had my kids with me all day. We really need to go home. But I just, I don't, I don't really know what to do. And so the disciples come to Jesus and say, we got to send them home. Yeah, we got to send them home. But here's this little boy. He's got five loaves and two fish. So small. And said, this could even feed his neighbor, let alone feed, make any sort of impact in the grand scheme of what was going on. But God said, if you give it to me, I can use it. See, it's a little boy who's caught up in the presence of God. And if you've been caught up in the presence of God before, you know what this is. Where you get stuck in the presence of God in awe of who he is, and you're going, whatever I have, it's no longer mine. Because whoever I'm seeing right here, the beauty and the majesty of Jesus, that I trust him with everything I have. So what is mine is no longer my own. And it might seem small or insignificant, but I know if I give it to God, he can do something with it. You know what the little boy learned that day? Math. Yeah, math. He learned math that day. It's like Matthew. See, because he came into the day with the equation that we all know too well, which is me plus me equals fine. Like if what I have just serves what I need, then I'll be fine. Right? There's, I mean, that's just good math right there. One plus one equals two. Like this is the way the world works. But he learned a new equation that day, which was me plus they equals full. See, he knew if what I have serves what I need, then I'll be just fine. I got a Lunchable that'll feed me. It'll be great. But he learned that when what I have serves what they need, I will be full. Because when he came into this moment with Jesus and he gets caught up in the presence of God, he goes, this is no longer my own. But before that moment, there was a limit to what he had. He only had five loaves and two fish. So if he ate it all, he would have been fine. But as he gives it, he learns God is the God of multiplication. And Jesus takes it, and he multiplies, and it blesses everybody around him. But you know who it also blesses? Him. See, because we read it, and it says, let them have as much as they want. He said, I have something so small and insignificant, but God, it's yours. And God took his Lunchable and made it a grand buffet. It was all you can eat. It was as much as he wanted, so much so that there's leftovers. But it started with him understanding, I have something to give. I have something to give. Here's the thing is, um, when we look at this boy, what's cool is he didn't give out of obligation. 
He didn't contribute because he thought he should, because it made no sense for him to do what he did. See, I mean, it seems like it would have made no impact. So he wasn't giving out of obligation. But what's cool is he ended up walking away with a full belly. But he never gave for that. He didn't know he would give or receive any of that. He didn't give for anything in return. See, the reality is the gospel in your life, it requires a response. It requires a response. We know this. When you get caught up in the presence of God and you realize that no matter how messed up you are or were or still are, that God forgives you and loves you and the power of God wants to move on your life and that God is your provider and he's your protector in the midst of the mess that you are, you can feel the response building up and you have to respond to it. And I see two common responses. The first one is that in fear of losing what we just got, we hold on to it for ourselves. We go, well, I, I'm going to just wait to contribute. I'm going to wait to serve till I really feel like I'm healthy. I'm going to wait until I'm financially stable to give. Then it makes sense. When I feel like my hunger's gone, then I'll give. Because what good is it for the little boy to be passed out on the side while everybody else is there? Like, the little boy needs to eat. And what it's, this is what it sounds like when we hold on to it for ourselves. But the second response is what the boy did. The second response is you let your hands show your heart. Like the gospel requires a response in your life. And part of the discipline of being a Christian is reminding yourself daily of the gospel. This is not for when you just got saved, but reminding yourself every single day of where I was, of where my flesh is, but the goodness and the mercy of God, the forgiveness that has redeemed me. And in that is what drives us to respond. And that response is going to be shown in your hands. You want to know what's going on in your heart? What are your hands doing? How are you living your life? I like the way James puts it. James in, in James 2.17 says this. He says, so you see, faith by itself isn't good enough. That's like, that's a tough start right there. Isn't good enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say to you, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say that you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? You want to know what's in your heart? What are your hands doing? And I think sometimes when we get caught up in this language going, well, I just want to make sure I'm taken care of first and then I'll give. Then I'll join a team. Then I'll contribute. Then I'll respond when God asks me to give him a coat, insert whatever it is. When we're hesitant and we wait, I don't think it's a contributing issue. I don't think it's because we're bad people. I don't think it's because we're not generous. I don't think it's because we haven't had a revelation of the goodness of God. But I don't think it's a giving problem. I think it's a faith problem. Because if you really believed in the goodness of God in your life, and you really believed in his favor for you, and that he is provider, and that he is protector. We would have no hesitation in giving. It would be a reckless giving, meaning I'm missing a meal to give this to Jesus because I know who the Father is. And I, I say that not to condemn anyone. I, my hand is up when I say, is there anybody in here who struggles with this sometimes? Man, I'm hesitant to give. My, my instinct, because I'm human, is not to just give right away. But what I want to do is help, hopefully maybe you've had a revelation in your life if that applies 
that this might be a faith thing, but I want to encourage you that the God that you serve is one you can have faith in. That the God that you serve is Jehovah Jireh. The God that you serve is your provider. He is your protector. He is the good shepherd. He will never leave you or forsake you. But sometimes why we feel stuck in life or we, hello, we feel stuck in life or, or we feel like something is off is simply because we're a swamp and God is bringing us goodness. He is flowing into us, but it's not leaving. But as we start to allow God to move and people start to see what's in our heart by where our hands are going and we say, Lord, if you want it, you can have it. It seems small and it seems insignificant, but I have something to give. So my response to the gospel is to let my hands show my heart. We watch God move in mighty ways and we find ourselves fulfilled more than we ever thought we could. Let your hands show your heart is what a contributor says. And see, uh, I think when I look at this story, what I don't see is just Jesus and a boy. But what I see is a whole team of contributors. Like, it's not just a few people, but I see a whole team. Like, we have the disciples who are interacting with the crowd. That's how they know that they're hungry. It reminds me of some of the teams here that interact with the crowd, like our hello team, our coffee team, the ones who give us some energy in the morning. Come on, how many of you guys thankful for hello team and coffee team? keep us going and then you see people physically meeting the needs with food they're passing baskets of food reminds me of church care environments team care right some amazing teams that keep us fed you know food's good right I mean we see people collecting the baskets and seating people reminds me of our host team I don't just see a boy in Jesus I see a whole team of contributors coming together saying, Jesus, what I have seems so small. It seems so insignificant compared to what you're trying to do. But I know if you have it, you could do something with it. And we see contributors step forward as a team. And what we find out is when contributors come together, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Because we see one of the greatest miracles that we've ever seen come to pass. Because it started with some people who said, I'm not perfect. I don't feel strong in this season. I feel like I hardly have enough for me. But I wonder what would happen if I gave it to God. There's a bunch of little boys who got caught up in the presence of God. Just said, Lord, you can have it. Do what you want with it. And because of that, miracles broke out. People were fed and people walked away more filled than they'd ever been spiritually and physically. Twelve baskets left over. Why don't we stand our feet in this place? You know, I remember uh, on, on September 30th, it'll be 12 years since I gave my life to Jesus. And I, I started serving the very next week. 12 years, 12 years. The very next week, I started serving. I got saved on a Wednesday, and I come on Sunday, and they're a person short for passing the buckets. And so like, hey, could you pass the buckets? Like, yeah, I can, I can pass the buckets, and it started there. And I have not stopped serving since. And I don't... Here's the thing, is I don't say that to pride myself, to give myself a pat on the back, because I've been through my fair share of life in the midst of it. I've had plenty of opportunities to quit. Don't get me wrong, the best times of my life, the best times of my life have been building the house of God with my wife. The best times, nothing better. But I've been through the lowest times in the church as well. I've had bad leaders. I have my fair share of church hurt. If you want to talk stories later, let's talk. Man, I got, I got my fair share. But I never stopped serving because I was never serving for a leader. 
I was never serving for even a church. I was just a little boy caught up in the presence of God saying, God, it seems small, but you can have it over and over in every season. And I began serving that week. You know what the first thing I got was? Purpose. Oh, man, I, I could still think of it. I began passing these buckets. And I realized early on that I'm not just like a warm body and they just needed somebody who could pass a bucket. But I realized what I was doing was I was collecting the financials, the money that was going to bless this house and that was going to send the mission of God forward in this city. Because I'm not passing a bucket. I'm not just doing something, but I'm stewarding the mission of God. And so I got passionate about it. Oh, I started to care about the details, man. I wanted to know where those baskets were being put. How fast are we passing them? Where are we keeping them after? Like every detail because I had purpose. You know what I got next is I got some friends. I mean, not like just friends, like real friends. You, ever, you made some friends in the house before? Some good friends? Man, I got some good friends. I had never had real friends growing up. I was a loner. I stuck to myself. I had no idea what it was like. But I had people who cared about me. They chased me down when I got distant. They reminded me what God spoke over myself when I refused to believe it. They prayed for me. They challenged me. They brought me to another level when I wasn't willing. And they made me so much better, not through coming to church, but through serving in church, yes. through serving. Yes. Man, I, I had friends, and it was amazing. And through serving in the house and getting these friends, you know what I got next? People skills. It was awesome, man. I'm an awkward guy. I just own it more now. But I couldn't have a conversation. You can ask, you can ask Pastor Danny later. He's the one who invited me to church. He, knew, he knows who I was before. Man, I was so insecure. I couldn't make eye contact. I still struggle with making eye contact. I was nervous around people. If I even talked at all, I would just blurt things out just to try to get a laugh, or I would shut down and not say anything. I had no people skills. I was terrified of people, but I began serving, and now I'm talking to thousands of new people. I'm having to meet new people all the time, and I'm getting better at conversation. I'm having to address my awkwardness, and I have those same friends that I'm serving with who are going, hey, Try making eye contact this time. Hey, you can't say that in church. Hey, and they're refining me, and they're making me better, and I'm growing, and I now, I'm not afraid to talk to people. I'm confident. And you want to know why that matters? Because every job I've had since that moment, a door was opened through serving in the house, through a connection. But here's the key. I was only able to nail the interview because I had people skills. God had stored up blessing in my life, but I would have never been able to walk into it if he didn't equip me, not through going to church, but through contributing in church. He was growing me and shaping me. And then I met my wife through serving in church. Praise God. Oh, she's amazing. She's beautiful. She's so much better than, at everything than me. She's incredible. And I met her. I got my kids because you can't have kids without, if I didn't meet my wife, I, I wouldn't have my kids. But praise God. And I can look at every blessing in my life and I can point it back not to going to church, but through serving in the house. They all tie back. And here's the thing is you take it all away from me right now. What do I still have? Everything. Because I never did it for any of that. I didn't do it for the blessing. I didn't do it because I should. I was just a little boy caught up in the, in the awe and wonder of our Savior. Just watching his mercy on people's life. I... I watched him perform a miracle in mine and transform my life. And I learned early on that what I have is no longer my own. It seems small and insignificant, but God, if you want it, you can have it. And as I gave, God grew me. And as I gave, God grew me. And as I gave, God grew me. 
and I stopped smelling like a swamp and I started looking more like a river and the mercy of God flowed in me and flew out of me and I watched a full circle transformation happen in my life where I'm walking in blessing and provision and favor and how many know God's not even done with me yet I'm still meeting with people about future endeavors this wasn't something for a 16 year old lost boy this is what the rest of my life looks like I will not just consume because when I just consume, I find myself having less. Because I have a limit on what I have, but when I give to God, the God of multiplication, not to receive anything, but I just find myself in his presence. And I remind myself daily of who I was before I knew him. And I just sit there, and that gospel requires a response. And I can't help but give and give and contribute. And I watch God give me more than I could ever think or imagine. And the church used me? You ever heard that terminology? I've heard it in the past few years so often that the church used me. And I'm not saying you didn't have a bad experience with a leader. I have. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is the church used me could not be further from my story. It could not be further than my story. The church has blessed me. God has used the church to equip me. And I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm not doing this for even the church, but I'm doing it for God. You want to know who we are? This house? This is we. Man, if there's anything that's my city, this is we. We are contributors, not consumers. How many feel like a contributor in this place right now? Uh-uh, we will not get caught in consuming, but we will contribute because we know the Father that we serve. And I have no fear when I give. I have no fear to go the extra mile. I have no fear even if it means I sacrifice my Lunchable. I sacrifice my meal. I sacrifice what makes me feel fine because I want to be full. And I want the others around me to be full. And what I found is when we come together, nothing is impossible. What could happen if this room said, uh-uh, you ain't going to catch me consuming no more, but I'm a contributor. I'll tell you, more than 5,000 people would be filled because that was just a few people. But I tell you what, our city would turn upside down for Jesus because a group of people who are on fire for Jesus say yes and amen. Come on, we are contributors, not consumers. Let's read this value. This is us. This is we, man. We use our hands to show our hearts. We reflect Christ by choosing to serve others. Serving is not an obligation, but a privilege that brings fulfillment. I'm not trying to be fine. I'm trying to be full. We believe everyone has something to contribute. And when we play our part, there is nothing that we cannot do. This is we. You feel like that's you? I feel like that's me. Lord, help us be that this week. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, we come to you. Lord, we thank you that the best example of a contributor is you. For you sent your one and only son to come and die on the cross for us. Lord, we were so unworthy and so far from you. Lord, I still have so little to offer. Just like that little boy. By the grace of God, we have the strength that you've given us. We have the Holy Spirit. And I can imagine what can happen if daily I reminded myself of who you are, Lord. I don't want to remind myself of what could happen if I move. Because I'm not interested in what I can do, Lord, but I'm interested in the glory of God being spread across this city. So, Lord, we come to you and we say we are contributors today. Lord, we throw away our consumerness, Lord, and we ask that you would crucify our flesh. Lord, and we would come alive in Christ. Not so that we could do cool things or be a part of miracles, but that you can move, Lord. Lord, we submit this to you. We ask, make us contributors in this house. We declare it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, 
rating or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.